Well, for the past few weeks, uh, we've been looking at a series entitled Kingdom Made. And I don't know if you remember back, but, but the first, uh, first sermon in this series, Pastor Kevin gave us a challenge. And he said, can you see it? The challenge was, can you see it? Can you envision a church where each of us sees ourselves as part of the kingdom and being made for the kingdom? And so today I want to further that study of looking at God's kingdom building in each of us. And so the passage that we're going to be taking a look at today comes from the book of 1 Corinthians. Now, if you were to read through the rest of this letter, which was written by the Apostle Paul to the church in Corinth, uh, you can get a pretty good glimpse of some of their struggles. You know, there's some division among them about which leader they should be loyal to. You know, they have Peter, and they have Paul, and they have Apollos. And they're struggling with some sexual sins and what it means to have freedom in Christ. And then we come to today's passage related to spiritual gifts. And what we realize is, you know, there's lots of gifts here, but, but there's issues. So we're going to read through this passage and see what's happening here. 1 Corinthians 12, verses 4 through 20. Starting at verse 4. There are different kinds of gifts, but the same Spirit distributes them. There are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. There are different kinds of working, but in all of them and in everyone, it is the same God who is at work. Now to each one, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. To one, there is given through the Spirit a message of wisdom. To another, a message of knowledge by means of the same Spirit. To another, faith by the same Spirit. To another, gifts of healing by that one Spirit. To another, miraculous powers. To another, prophecy. To another, distinguishing between spirits. To another, speaking in different kinds of tongues. And to still another, the interpretation of those tongues. All these are the work of one and the same Spirit, and he distributes them to each one, just as he determines. Just as one body, or just as a body, though one, has many parts, but all its many parts form one body, so it is with Christ. For we were all baptized one by one Spirit, so as to form one body whether Jews or Gentiles, slave or free, and we were all given to one spirit to drink. Even so, the body is not made up of one part, but of many. Now, if the foot should say, because I am not a hand, I do not belong to the body, it would for, not for that reason stop being a part of the body. And if the ear should say, well, because I am not an ear, I don't belong to the body, it would not for that reason stop being a part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? If the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? But in fact, God has placed the parts in the body, every one of them, just as he wanted them to be. If they were all one part, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, but one body. Well, we are 
nearing the end of open house season for many of our graduates. And, and this time of year for me is, is one when I have to, to watch to make sure that I, I don't put on 10 pounds because of all of the food at those, at those amazing open houses. It's really enticing. Uh, but we also give gifts to our graduates to congratulate them on a job well done. And so it might be helpful for us to look at this passage in the light of gift giving. Paul is basically saying, since you have received many gifts, how are you going to use them? And it might be helpful to know here that the word that Paul uses for gift has the same root as the word for grace. We may even say here, well then, since God has graced you with gifts, how will you gracefully use those gifts for his kingdom? The Corinthians, though, they've forgotten that their gifts are truly that. And instead, they've decided that their little gifts from the Holy Spirit are of their own making. And, and they use it to lord them over others. They want to take credit for their own gifts, rather than credit the Spirit as their source. They're more likely to seek their own glory rather than work for the common good. I don't know if you've been to see the uh, to see at the theaters uh, the movie Maverick with Tom Cruise. Uh, my husband and I went to the IMAX for the first time to watch this movie, and and I have to confess that I really enjoyed this movie. And on the way home, I so I was asking Gary. I said, "Hey, do you know what Tom Cruise's beliefs are?" And so he told me that Cruise has alluded to being a Scientologist. Which made me sad because part of Scientology's thinking would go well with how the Corinthians are thinking of themselves in this passage. Uh, it's kind of this idea of being your own God and having no need for God himself. Well, not so surprisingly for Corinth, this is causing uh, no small amount of divisiveness among them. And their superiority complexes cause them to think that they have more to offer Jesus than the other little people around them with those lesser gifts. And so Paul cuts to the chase and he tells them that this really doesn't reflect who Christ has called them to be. Now, you might be thinking, well, we don't really struggle with that today, but, but I'd like to push back on that a little bit. Uh, what if we applied Paul's warning to the way that we speak and act each day? Do we essentially curse Jesus when our speech and our actions and the application of our spiritual gifts do not reflect the graceful gifts given to us in Christ? So today I have have some friends coming up. Uh, I'd like to share with you uh, a book that sits on a shelf in my office. Actually, I'm going to ask Lydia and Grace and Brandy to share this book with you. Uh, the book is called uh, You Are Special by Max Lucado. So thanks so much for helping us today. The Wemmicks were small wooden people carved by a woodworker named Eli. Each Wemwick was different. Some had big noses, others had large eyes. Some were tall and others were short. Each Wemwick had a box of golden star stickers and great dot stickers. The wooden people 
would go around the village sticking stars and dots on one another. The pretty ones got dots. Stars, the warm wicks with rough wood or chip paint got dots. The talented ones got stars too. Some could jump over tall boxes or sing pretty songs. Others, though, could do little. They got dots. Punchinello was one of these. He tried to jump high like others, but he always fell. So the Wemmix would give him dots. When he tried to explain why he fell, he would say something silly, so the Wemmix would give him more dots. He deserves lots of dots, the wooden people would say after. After a while, Punchinello believed them. I guess I'm not a good Wemmick. He decided so. He stayed inside most of the time. When he did go outside, he hung around the other Wemmicks that had lots of dots. He felt better around them. One day, he met a different kind of Wemmick named Lucia. She had no dots or stars. The Wemmicks admired Lucia for having no dots, so they would give her more sh or give her a star, but it would just fall off. Others would give her dots for having no stars, but it wouldn't stay either. That's the way I want it to be, thought Punctionello. Soon as so he asked Lucia how she did it. It's easy, she replied. Every day I go visit Eli the woodcarver. Why? I'll, you'll find out if you go see him. Then Lucia turned and skipped away. But will he want to see me, Punctionella wondered. Later at home, he sat and watched the, wind, the wooden people give each another stars and dots. It's not right, he muttered to himself, and he decided to go see Eli. Punchinello walked up the narrow path and stepped into Eli's shop. His eyes grew big. The stool was as tall as he was. He had to stretch on tiptoe to see the top of the workbench. Punchinello swallowed hard. I'm not staying here. Then he heard his name, Punchinello. The voice was deep and strong. How good to see you. Come, let me have a look at you. Punchinello looked up. You know my name? Of course, I made you. Eli picked him up and set him on the bench. Looks like you've been given some bad marks, said the maker. I didn't mean to, Eli. I really tried hard. Punchinello, I don't care what other Wemmicks think. You don't? No. You shouldn't either. What they think doesn't matter. All that matters is what I think. I think you are pretty special. Punchinello laughed. Me? Special? Why? I'm not very talented, and my paint is peeling. Why do I matter to you? Eli spoke very slowly. Because you're mine. 
That's why you matter to me. Punchinello didn't know what to say. Every day I've been hoping you'd come, Eli explained. I came because I met Lucia, said Punchinello. Why don't the stickers stay on her? The maker spoke softly. Because she has decided that what I think is more important than what others think. The stickers only stick if you let them. What? The stickers only stick if they matter to you. The more you trust my love, the less you care about the stickers. I'm not sure I understand. Eli smiled. You will, but it'll take time. For now, come see me every day and let me remind you how much I care. Eli lifted Punctionello off the bench and sat him on the ground. Remember, Eli said as Punctionello was leaving, you are special because I made you and I don't make mistakes. Punctionello did not stop. In his heart, he thought, I think he really means it. And when he did, a dot fell to the ground. Thank you. Well, I'd like to tell you today that the book you just heard only pertains to how kids often see themselves. And adults have outgrown those ways of thinking But you and I both know that's not the case. We spend a lot of time being concerned about where we fit in. I remember sitting down with someone who recently started coming to Rehoboth, and they said to me something like this, you know, everyone here seems to have their act together and their life all figured out. I'm not really sure that I belong here. And so I said to them, Yeah, whatever. What a bunch of messed up people these people are here. If only you knew. Okay, okay, I really didn't say that. (laughs) But I would share with them, and I did share with them, that, you know, we'd, we'd like to hide our imperfections. It reminds me of the cartoon where a guy is trying to figure out what to wear for Halloween, so he goes to his closet And he figures his costume can just be to dress up in his church clothes. You know, that's always a lovely costume. You know, we often come here in our costumes pretending like we've got it all together. Even when there was an all-out fight in the car on the way here that could give World War III a run for its money. We surely don't have it all together here. But we do have gifts to bring to the Lord. I love that little line in the book. The stickers only stick if you let them. They only stick if they matter to you. You know, the more that we lay our gifts before the Lord for his glory, the more we start caring about our vertical relationship with the Lord and the less we care about our horizontal relationships in this world and the less we let them dictate our worth and our value. And that's what Paul is emphasizing in this passage. He tells the Corinthian church, the Holy Spirit has given you gifts, and those gifts are to be used for the building up of the church. 
And when those gifts are used in the right places, amazing things will happen in the church. You know, Satan himself starts to get really worried when people get excited about using their gifts in the body of Christ. He would much rather that the Corinthians focus on all the things that divide them than to recognize their gifts, and then even scarier, to implement them. I recently read this quote from the book, uh, Get Out of Your Head by Jenny Allen, where she says, if you're an elbow and you're not being an elbow in the church, the body isn't well. That should bug you. In, in some way, that should make you crazy because you should wonder whether you're making the whole body of Christ sick. So many times we're pining our life away, comparing ourselves to others, and looking at all that we're not, when all that Christ calls us to do is be obedient to the gracious gifts given to us by the Holy Spirit. Ultimately, the church needs everyone in all their diversity. I think of this much like some of our teams here at Rehoboth. You know, those teams work well because there are gifted people in each position. I like to joke that, you know, Troy in his ADD leads our kids' team, and he rocks that because he doesn't have the ability to sit still in church. How perfect. Brian has people on the property team who are meticulous about making sure this building is in tip-top shape, and it shows Lisa DeBoer is passionate about prayer and desires for us to sing thanks to the Lord each month with those prayer videos. We're reminded of God's goodness in those videos. The reason that things run smoothly here is because the right people are in the right place with just the right gifts, and each one is valued as essential to making the whole process work. That's what great teamwork looks like. And if we are the body of Christ, we can be thankful that the church isn't filled with a bunch of noses because, let's face it, they would have been covered up for over a year anyway. Thankfully, the church is not this cookie-cutter place where everyone has the same gifts. We are a diverse people with unique experiences, personalities, abilities, gifts, and hearts. And what unites us is the grace each of us have found in Christ. And out of that gratitude for that gift, we say, Lord, please show me. Show me how you've gifted me so that I can use that gift to be a blessing to the people around me. And God offers tools like the spiritual gift inventory in order for those gifts to be a little more clarified you know, I loved it when Sarah started that directory. You know, she kind of gave me this glee-filled look, and she said, you know, hey, I'm, I'm going to be updating the directory info for the church directory. Do you, do you want me to give people a spiritual gift if, if they haven't filled one out yet? And so we kind of do this little fist bump, and, and I tell her she's amazing, and she starts handing those things out like last week's cupcakes and venison and cheese. There's this beautiful quote uh, related to discovering and activating our spiritual gifts. And it, and it comes from the philosopher and the theologian, uh, Howard Thurman. And he said, you know, don't ask what the world needs. Ask what makes you come alive. And go do it. Because what the world needs is more people who have come alive. 
uh, recently, the CRC, they put out this publication called The Banner, and they had this article entitled, Why on Earth Am I on Earth? Kind of the same question we saw in that crew video. And it's a great read for our senior high to post-high young people. And the premise of that article is that what you do with your life is far less important than how you do it. It really doesn't matter what occupation you are doing, but rather your heart and your attitude within that work, that you are saying, Lord, how can I use this work to bring glory and honor to your name? Not is what I'm going to do for my career going to help others experience Christ, because any career has the opportunity to either draw people closer to Jesus or push them further away, depending on how well you love the people around you. Sometimes we can take this whole idea of vocation and we make it such a big deal and it gets overcomplicated instead of asking just simple questions like, well, what is God calling me to do? As the writer Frederick Buchner said, the answer to the question might be, well, what do you like to do? What are you good at? What are you passionate about? Buchner says, you know, what is vocation? Well, vocation is where your deep gladness meets one of the world's deep needs. So what does God want you to do? I don't know. What do you like to do? What are you good at? Maybe that's your first hint. I had this meaningful conversation a while back with someone And they had this beautiful perspective on their work and their purpose and finding meaning in life. And they said to me, you know what? There are so many different things that I could see me doing in my life. I have so many passions and areas where I want to use my gifts in. I love that there are so many possibilities out there for me to explore. Aren't those lovely words? This individual recognizes that there, just, there isn't just one single path for their life. You know, God might lead you on the same path for 20 years. And just because he closes a door doesn't mean that the world is coming to an end. It might actually be that he's opening the most life-giving experience you have known thus far. Rehoboth, if I were Paul writing a letter to you, I would want to tell you, how thankful I am for you. Thank you for all the different hats that you let me try on and wear. You allow me to try out my spiritual gifts and you encourage me in them. I think of last week and how you did that as you offered the opportunity for two of our kids to sing their praises to the Lord and to help lead you in worship on Father's Day. That was beautiful. You know, and I think about it, I, you know, I wonder and ima- say, you know, what if we imagined if, if 100% of our church takes a spiritual gift inventory and then starts begging, coach, put me in the game, wherever I'm gifted, put me there. Imagine if all the gifts are activated, people who say, we don't care if we're 8 or 80, male or female, we want nothing more than to serve Jesus until the day he calls us all home. What a glorious beginning to a new chapter that would be. What a beautiful place. In the end, ironically, as God reveals the gifts, the specific gifts, well, they get less important. 
It's more about how they're used and how they give glory to God. May we see that our entire existence is to be kingdom made. I've been reading a book called The Genius of One by Greg Holder. And his book, in his book, he talks about aspen trees. And he says, you know, when you see a group of aspen trees together, that's called a stand, a stand of aspen trees. And a stand of aspens is a kind of colony of trees because they all live off a single root system. They function as one organism because they share the same roots. And Holder explains that according to experts, Aspens do best in a stand of trees of many ages and sizes where the mature provide protection for the young until the young grow past the old. And there's this colony of aspens in western Utah, and it's said to be over a thousand years old. It has an estimated weight of over 6,000 tons, and it is the heaviest known organism. That's how scientists refer to it, as a singular organism. It even has a name, Pando. And when it comes to surviving and thriving, the many live as one. Friends, ultimately, the world, our church, our community, our families, our workplaces need you to discern what gifts you've been given and then activate those gifts to the fullest potential for the common good. The world needs more people who have come alive and have been activated by the Holy Spirit and living as one. God's Spirit empowers all to get in the game. Somebody once asked a wise Christian, does God have hands? And the wise person took the hands of the person who was asking the question and said, why yes? These are it. These are God's hands. Your hands are God's hands, and your feet, those are God's feet. You are the one through whom God works. God gets his work done, which means that God needs a lot of people to do a lot of different things. And so I would encourage you today to get in the game and to come alive. You may find that what blesses Jesus blesses you more than you ever imagined possible. Would you please pray with me? Oh Lord, our heart's desire today is to stand as one. Lord, each of us unique, each of us with different gifts, but truly desiring to be united as one body. Lord, what a gift that is. How, how worried Satan gets, Lord, when we start to act in that way. Lord, we just pray that you would give us hearts, that you would show us the gifts that you've given, and that we would wake up each morning desiring for those gifts to be fully activated. Thank you so much, God. How humbling to think that you use broken, sin-filled people for your honor and for your glory. We thank you for that today in your name. Amen.